Well, good morning, everybody. Great to see you this morning. So, um, as Kevin said, we have been praying, preparing, <laughs> envisioning uh, this day for a long time. <laughs> and we're just so thankful for God's provision so that we can be part of what God's doing in the world in our part of Northeast Ohio. So before we get into our message today, I just want to pray a prayer of dedication for us, for the space, for the ministry, and then we'll uh, go ahead and look into God's Word. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, you are a kind and amazing and wonderful and patient and near to us through your Son, Jesus God. Lord, you are amazing. And Lord, we are here this morning in this soft launch of a campus. Lord, we want your name to be made much of. We want people to be invited to new life in Christ because we know personally that you are the only source of joy and peace, both now and in eternity. Lord, I thank you for the people that you've provided so that we could launch this campus in strength through prayer. Lord, thank you for the leaders, the missionary core team, the volunteers that have made uh, the beginning of this uh, new work possible. Lord, we thank you for those who are part of the Unleashed Capital Campaign four years ago, who gave generously so that we could provide an investment here so that our kids and our uh, youth and we can have space for fellowship. So that's possible. Thank you for them, Lord. Lord, I thank you for the former First Baptist Church of Brunswick who graciously and generously gifted this facility for prayerfully another 60 years of fruitful ministry. And Lord, I pray that you would use 1226 substation and all those who gather there on Sundays to show the love of God to those around us. Lord, would you use us to be a light in our workplaces, in our schools, on our teams, in our communities, in the clubs we're part of, that we could be a light to the community, that they would be drawn to the gospel through the way we live our lives, the way we speak, the way we parent our children, the way we work in our jobs. Lord, all of this is for your glory. Lord, we know that the gospel has been in Brunswick, Ohio for a long, long time. But at the same time, Lord, we know that the church has a fresh commission every generation so that every generation would come to a saving faith in you. So Lord, we love you. We commission, we dedicate this space, this time, these people for your service. In every way, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, again, good to see you this morning. So this is our, we're calling a soft launch. This is where folks who are part of the community come and we kind of try everything on for size. Our systems, the tech, the children's check-in. Now you can see that we're still in construction. That won't be done till the beginning of July. But if you could, if you see some sort of glaring 
issue like, hey, this didn't quite work, or hey, you might need this or want to do this, please let us know so we can be ready next week when we invite the community and we have a lot of new folks and guests. We want to be, be ready for them. Well, we are concluding a series in a section of the book of Ephesians called The Walk. So this morning we'll be in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 21. And starting next week, we're starting a new series we're calling Soul Care. We're looking at some psalms and looking at hey, how do we care for our Soul. So I'm really excited about that next week. And as Lauren mentioned, make sure to grab some of those invite cards that are in the back as you leave today. And then our website is fully refreshed. So anything you have any questions on, cvconline.org slash Brunswick. It'll take you right there. All right, well, Deborah and I, my wife Deborah, we moved to Northeast Ohio in 2014. And one of the things that... Uh, endeared us to the, the area quickest that I feel like a lot of folks who are from Northeast Ohio forget about is how unique the Metro Park system is. So a lot of cities do not have these sprawling parks <laughs> that are near and all these nature centers. And that's something that we love to utilize. So when we first moved here, we did not have any children. And we would love to go on those hikes, especially in the Cuyahoga Valley National Park. You'll go down deep into a, into a gorge. You can see the river come back up. And we love doing that. But once we had kids, that's eh, not really feasible, not really possible. So we started utilizing those paved paths, you know, the stroller paths. So we put the kids in the stroller, we push them down the, you know, the path, and Dev and I could talk. You know, those paved paths, I kind of like even now when I'm by myself. And I can just kind of walk and un, uh, unplug, let my mind kind of uh, uh, wander a little bit and kind of go on cruise control. But what we see in Ephesians chapter 5 is that the Christian life is not like the stroller paths. It's like those tough hikes. We see today in the passage that the Bible calls us to look carefully how we walk. And our lives, our Christian walk, is going to look a lot more like a hike down a gully. We have to be careful every step of the way, not to slip on a wet rock, not to trip over a root. And we're going to look in, our, look in the, the text today that the Christian walk is to be done carefully. Every step needs to be done carefully. And it's to be done communally. It's not, it's not a walk that's to be done by itself. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 15. Well, we'll see where the Christian walk is to be done carefully and communally. So let me read the text for us, starting in verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit." addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, 
singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So the Apostle Paul, he's written very clearly throughout the book of Ephesians on the content of the gospel, that we're saved by grace through faith, and we're given new life in Jesus. Now here in this section, the Apostle Paul kind of turns and answers the question, well, how are you supposed to live out this Christian life? How is a day-to-day new life supposed to look? And here he gives us some great instructions. Verse 15, he says, Look carefully then how you walk. Now these two words, look carefully, these are two separate words highlighting and emphasizing this command. As we talked earlier, the Christian life is not a stroll down a paved path. It is a hike on a trail. We have to look carefully regarding every step of your day-to-day life. You know, one lie that the enemy uses, he's used it in my life, in Deborah's life, maybe he's used it in your life. It's this lie. Life shouldn't be this hard. You ever ever heard that? You ever ever ask yourself, why is this so hard? Look, I'm a young adult. I'm 20 years old. I'm at the prime of my life. Why is it this hard? I just got married. I've wanted to be married my whole life, but I love this person. But why is it so hard to live together? Why is it so hard to work out issues with my mom and your dad and all those things? You know, we've been praying for a child for years and God has provided it. Why is it so hard to parent? You know, like 20% of that time, it's all joy. And then that 80% of the time, you know, you're like looking for the, the, the parent issue cage to like lock the kids up in to have a little bit of space. You know, I'm retired. This should be the best season of my life. Why is it so hard? And why am I pulled in so many different areas? My body, I'm getting older in life and things are going on with my body. Why is it so hard to get at this season of life? See, I think the enemy begins to ask that, why is it so hard? And what happens is we begin to question the, our lives. We begin to question the pattern of our lives. But what the enemy is doing is it's causing us to look inward and not to the Lord. You see, Ephesians 4, verse 18 through 20, just a a, a couple verses prior to this passage, says this. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity, but that is the, not the way you learned Christ. So what Paul's saying is, look, there is sin, governmentally, culturally, institutionally, that always results in heartbreak and pain and injustice and hate. So there's sin out there, but there's sin in here too. We are fighting forces outside us and inside of us. And that's why the Christian life is hard. It's designed to be a struggle. 
In Christians, thus, we need to walk carefully and communally. We have to be careful at every step of our lives, the way we walk. And we have to link arms with other brothers and sisters in Christ so that we can live out the Christian walk. And we know throughout all the scripture, the result of the Christian life, though it's hard and difficult, it's always joy and it's always fruitfulness in every area of our lives. So scripture gives us three commands in order to walk carefully and communally. The three commands are this, to be wise, to understand, and to be filled. Let's look at that first command, to be wise. We see it in verse 15, the second half. It says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. So this word wisdom, it's the word Sophia. So you might uh, have a uh, a daughter or a friend named Sophia. And it's a really, really big and important word back in the day when this was written. I think we've probably all heard of the names Plato and Aristotle. These are guys that lived uh, hundreds of years before Jesus, but have had a huge impact in the Western world, especially during this time in this part of the country. This word Sophia was a big word. It's kind of like for us the word freedom. When we think of freedom, I don't know what pops into your mind. What pops into my mind is a big old American flag and like an eagle flying in the wind, right? So when they heard Sophia, they would have immediately thought of Plato and Aristotle. And Sophia, wisdom, is obtained this way. Through a life separated from everybody else in philosophical contemplation. So if you were wealthy, you would try to pull away from the world and just read books and contemplate the great things of the, of the world. And that's, and that's how you got wisdom. And those are the only people who achieved wisdom because everyone else has got to work, right? So it's interesting. How does the Bible define and describe someone with wisdom? Look again at verse uh, 15. It says, not as unwise, not as without Sophia, but with Sophia, making the best use of the time. A wise person is marked by how they use their time. You see, that's available no matter who you are, no matter what age, life stage, financial or physical situation you're in, we can be wise according to the Bible by making the best use of our time. Uh, Elsewhere, uh, or or in other translations of this Greek passage, you might have heard it uh, translated as redeeming the time. In this time, it's talking both about hours in the day as well as seasons of life. So how do we know? How do I know if I am wise or if I am unwise? It's by how we use our hours in the day and our seasons of life. So how are you using your hours of the day and this, your seasons of life? Are, are you a teenager? Are you growing up in your knowledge and maturity? Or are you you're just having fun? Uh, are you a young adult? Are you growing in your relationships and service to others? Or are you just traveling and staying out late? 
Young parent, are you growing in your selflessness? Or are you just kind of enduring the day? Empty nester, are you growing in your leadership and investment in the younger generation? Or is your lawn just really nice and your house just really clean? Elder saint, are you growing in your intercessory prayer and dependence on God? Or is your day uh, focused on planning vacations or maybe catching up on a TV show? Pastor, am I learning how to lead and preach and shepherd in the Lord? Or am I just looking for effective tools to get things done? See, no one stumbles into strength. No one cruises into Christ's likeness because the Bible tells us the days are evil. The playing field is stacked against us. So we must look carefully how we walk. Well, this leads us to the next command. Well, how do you do this? Look at me in verse 17. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Is. So again, Apostle Paul, he is tapping on another really important concept in this day. This word fool, foolish is that it comes from the word phronesis. You don't even know, know that, but what this means is someone who's really good at carpentry would have phronesis. So this is someone who'd be able to know how to build a table and also the ability to do it. So this concept would be the, the word you would use if you need to uh, hire someone to build a table, hire someone to make a musical instrument, to work in the field. Someone who both knows how to do it and is able to do it. So we're not supposed to lack this. We are not supposed to lack an understanding of how to properly do what we're called to do. It's, it's practical wisdom. It's know-how. It's, it's knowing how to get things done and doing them well. Now, the Bible here could say that we are not supposed to be without this, but we're supposed to, 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 to be this. You're supposed to know how to get things done. You're supposed to figure out your life. You're supposed to have practical wisdom. So that would mean, if the Bible said this, if the Bible said, all right, you're not supposed to be lack this, but you're supposed to have this, that means it would all be on us to figure out. You got a work issue? Figure it out. You got a parenting issue? You better read a book, take a class, figure it out. You don't know how to navigate this issue in your marriage, your relationship with your your mother-in-law or relationship with your child. Well, you read a book, take a class, it's up to you to figure it out. See, our culture says that, right? If you got a problem, well, there's probably a class or an app or a plan or someone to go to to try to figure out our issue. You got a parenting problem? Take a class. You got a health issue? Take a pill. You want to be attractive? Well, you could take, you follow this app or you can apply to buy this truck or whatever it is. The world tells you the flourishing of your life is all up to your ingenuity and your wisdom. I don't know about you, but that sounds burdensome and kind of sounds impossible. 
Well, what does the Bible say? The Bible gives us good, good news here. Look with me at that second half of verse 17. It says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. What do we really need? What is our responsibility in order not to be foolish, in order to live effective, productive, joyful lives? We needed to understand the will of God. Right, so following an app, completing a class is one type of knowledge, and God can use those things. That's not wrong. But foundationally, what every one of us needs in every season of life is to understand the will of the Lord. You see, this is a gospel truth. This is good news for a follower of Jesus. Because God does not demand for us to achieve. Rather, he invites us to receive. A world says there are winners and there are losers based on your ability. You win or you lose. But God says, look, I love everyone who have put their faith and trust in Jesus. I have a relationship with you. You're all my children. I don't have favorite kids. And I have a will that I long to share with you. Romans 13, 11 says, For salvation is nearer to us now than we, when, when we first believed. God is nearer now than when we first believed. 2 Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you. In Jeremiah 29, 13 through 14, it says, You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with your whole heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. That's good news, because God wants us to understand His will. He is in our corner and says, come ask. Don't go figure out a life hack somewhere else. Come to me. And I want to pour out my wisdom and my knowledge onto you. Okay, so the first step is we are to be wise by making the best use of the time. Both in hours of the day and seasons of life. Well, how do we do that? We do that secondly. The second step is we are to understand the will of the Lord by looking to God rather than some other sources to fix our problem. Okay, well, how do we look to God? How does looking to God manifest practically? Well, that's where we get this next verse. Let's look at the first, uh, let's look at the third step. Now, the first two steps, uh, we talk about, this is that kind of careful part of the Christian life. Command number three, we see the communal part. Verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. So Scripture contrasts drunkenness with the filling of the Spirit. Being drunk makes you less of who you are, but the Spirit makes you more of who you are in Christ. Being drunk results in doing things you wish you didn't, but the Spirit empowers you to do things you always wished you could have. And we can resist the Spirit, and we do that through sin. 
But when we resist ourselves and allow the Spirit to work in our lives, then we become who God wants us to be. Okay, well, how are we filled with the Spirit? Scripture gives us four practices. Four practices that are in a dynamic relationship with someone who is filled with the Spirit. They are, we'll see in verse, uh, starting in verse 8, 19, they are, one, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Two, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Three, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And four, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So these practices are, are the mark of someone who is filled with the Spirit and they are how to be filled with the Spirit. Let's break these down. The first is addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. This is a horizontal dimension. This is a uh, one another, me and you, a kind of a, a communal expression. And this happens most often in our corporate worship. When we gather together to sing and we gather um, you know, to come together on a Sunday morning or Saturday night or a Thursday night and we sing together, we are actually obeying the command to address one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. See, someone who's filled with the Spirit is someone who sings in church. Now, I know what you're going to say. Ah, Josh, I don't, I don't really like to sing. I don't got a good voice. I, well, I hear you there, but too bad. God has called us to sing. And when we sing, we are actually encouraging each other in the Lord. Now, I believe the gospel. I believe the gospel to the, the bottom of my heart. But... I believe even more when singing with other believers. Well, let's look at the second practice. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. So here's a vertical dimension. Christian worship happens through singing, and the singing is both external through our mouth to one another and internal by our heart to the Lord. So on Sunday mornings, we're not merely going through the motions, but our hearts must be moved to the Lord. We sing with our mouth to each other, and we sing with our heart to the Lord. That is the practice of someone filled with the Spirit. No, number three, the third practice. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's another vertical dimension. It says, giving thanks always for everything. This is like, really? Like everything? This, and I will say, this command, number three, this practice is impossible without the filling of the Holy Spirit. And I will say, I think it's impractical without the community of faith. Now, have you ever noticed that isolation does not result in being thankful for what you have. Rather, it results in being envious of what others have. And I think social media just throws gas on the fire. See, Christian community, it's the environment where we are reminded of the blessings in our life and thankfulness results. See, when we see someone else's life from afar, we covet. But when we see someone else's life up close, 
we give thanks. All right, fourth practice. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is another horizontal expression, something we do with one another. Submitting is putting yourself under another, making your rank lower than another. So someone who's filled with the Spirit and something that results in being filled with the Spirit is when we put our preferences, our desires, our direction, and our perspective underneath someone else. Now why is that part of being filled with the Spirit? Because this is what Jesus Christ did when He came to this earth. Philippians 2, 6-7 through says, Who, though He was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied Himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. The Christian life is not a stroll on the paved path. It is a hike through the trails. And Christians, we must live carefully and we must link arms and live communally. All right, well, usually this is the time of the uh, sermon that I'll give some applications, some next steps. This is what you should be doing. Well, I'm not going to do that this morning. What I'm going to do is share with you how I'm going to apply this to my own life. Now, you know, if you're part of the campus, if you've you know, signed up and you're all in, like, the bad news is I'm your pastor. Like, I'm all you got at this point. So, so but what I want to do is I want to show you how the Word of God is working in my life and begin to share, maybe, maybe uh, show both the strengths and the weaknesses in my life and see how God's working in that area. All right. So how am I going to live out be wise by making the most use of the time, making the best use of the time? So my, uh, our youngest daughter, Hannah, she is one. And she's not a great sleeper. Uh, it takes a little bit to put her down. So I usually put her down and I rock her in her a rocking chair in her room, maybe for like 10 minutes until she's kind of limp, you know. And then I go and put her in the crib And she usually kind of wakes up and starts to cry and I'll kind of like maybe lay down next to her and then she'll fall asleep. So that's like, you know, a 15-minute ordeal. Now, during that 15 minutes, usually I will check the Indian score. I will read up on some news and I have been known to watch a funny cat video uh, occasionally. Now, I will say this for certain. That is not making the best use of the time. Okay, let's say it's 15 minutes, 15 times 7 days a week, times 52 weeks a year. You kind of start to feel the conviction of the Lord settle in. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to spend that time in meditation on the passage of Scripture I'll be preaching for that week. So it's an additional, say, hour and a half during the week. I'm just going to be in prayerful meditation of Lord would you work this passage into my heart to help me to articulate it in a way that honors you? So like next week, it's Psalm 42. We're going to speak, uh, preach on Psalm 42. So I'm working on memorizing it during that time. I, I'm, you know, No promises on the memorization, but I'll at least allow it to work in my heart. So this is how I'm going to be wise and make the most use of the time this week. All right, second area, understand the will of the Lord. So myself and Lauren and Pastor Greg, a lot of us are in a lot of meetings this week to kind of decide, some, make some decisions. 
So I commit before I get into any meeting, I'm going to pray, Lord, I do not want to be foolish. Help me to understand your will. It's just a little step and a little practice that will allow me to focus on understanding the will of the Lord rather than trying to find some great fix for some problem we may have. Then thirdly, be filled with the Spirit. You know, there are four practices with being filled with the Spirit. I'm going to focus on being thankful to God in it for everything at all times. So what I'm going to do for five, five days this week, I'm going to fill out a thank you God for journal. So every day during the work week, I'm going to write out 20 things. Thank you God for. And 10 of those things are going to be happy things. And 10 of those things are going to be hard things. Because God's telling us to be thankful for everything. So at the end of the week, I'll have a hundred things during my prayer time in the mornings that I'm going to thank God for. So that's how I'm going to apply this passage to my life this week. So my question for you is, what are you going to do? Is God nudging, pushing, prodding you to apply something in your life, to begin to change the way you're living your life so that you can live and walk the Christian life more carefully and more communally? All right. Well, let me pray, and then I'm going to invite Lauren up, and we've got some final instructions for you on ways you can serve as we look toward our public launch next week. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Lord, you did not have to give us your word. Lord, you did not have to uh, write and preserve uh, your commands and the way to live a life that honors you, that produces joy, peace, grace, and truth. Thank you for your word. Lord, show us how you want us to apply this this week. And Lord, thank you so much for all, again, all the ways you have provided for us in our lives, most supremely in your son, Jesus. So Lord, we love you. Thank you for these brothers and sisters, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Lauren, come on up. So Lauren, uh, she mentioned earlier, there's a lot of opportunities to serve. And Lauren's going to give us some next steps on what that looks like for us. Yeah, so um, we have a lot of opportunities. So you have lots of um, freedom to make a choice of where you'd like to serve. Um, So we do have these little white cards. Like I mentioned earlier, they're in the very back of the sanctuary at the tables. Um, And what they are is they're just um, showing you all the areas we have to serve. And the first is children's ministry. Um, And so I'm very excited to share with you. Um, This is Penny Chappick. Penny, if you'd raise your hand. Um, She is our children's ministry coordinator. Uh, We're so thankful to have her. Um, And so if you are interested in children's ministry, we have... um, spots available in all of the classrooms um, and also for check-in when families are coming into the building and we need to put them in the computer system um, we also need volunteers for that Um, also for youth ministry and young adult ministry Uh, we aren't starting these ministries just yet we're looking to the fall um, to start those but we'd like to um, start working at these programs and figuring out what we want them to look like so if you're interested in either of those areas you can talk to me Um, also prayer Prayer is probably one of the most important ones on this list. Um, We realize that this is the Lord's work, um, and only he can do it. So we are looking for people to pray during our services. Um, So during the 9 a.m. service and during the 1045 a.m. service. Um, As well as, you know, if there's anybody who wants to lead in prayer during the weeknight as well and have a prayer group, um, that would be awesome as well. 
Um, we have Connect Team. So we have Melody Campbell. Melody, if you would raise your hand. Um, she is our um, Connection Team Coordinator. Also very grateful for Melody. Um, and so she will be overseeing the Connect Team, which makes up our greeters, our ushers, um, guest reception. Um, so if you're interested in the Connect Team, you can talk with Melody. And then we have Worship Ministry and Tech. So Kevin, if you would raise your hand, this is Kevin. Um, and if you're interested in serving in either of those roles, um, you can speak with him. And then lastly, administration and office duties. Um, so we're looking for somebody who's willing to print things out, put things together, uh, maybe make some phone calls. Um, and so this would be great if it could be a more consistent role. You know, you could do it a few hours every week. Um, and so if you're interested in that, you can speak with me. Um, but just to make it easy today, if you just want to fill out one of these cards, and we'll get in touch with you um, depending on which area um, you want to serve in. So. Excellent. Excellent. Yep. We'll invite the worship team back up. And we've also got those invite cards for our public launch next Sunday. We're excited about that. And if you want more information, like a weekly update on stuff going on, you can actually grab one of those cards, put your name, email address, and say, keep me up to date. And you put it in the offering boxes that are in the back. And we'd love to keep you updated. So thank you guys so much for being here. And Kevin and the team's got a few more songs for us.